Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gagan Pressing. The German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, yeah, the same as always. Very good. Bit traveling yesterday. Uh, season opener in Major League Soccer, which meant I was in Vancouver um, covering that game for both Football Grad and uh, Pro Soccer USA. So that was a very busy day. Very exciting day. You know, the first day of the season is always lots of fun. So that was that was a great day yesterday but yeah busy um how about you Bryce how have you been not too bad I was uh, back in Ireland doing doing a bit of uh, wedding um planning for later this year or I've been told the word is wedman what yeah that's that there you go what's a wedman admin admin and wedman put admin wedding wedman you know huh? okay yeah, I know. I'm I'm not with it either, it turns out. But um, yeah, it was a successful weekend. We got over um, when there was plenty of snow against all the odds, but it, it was good. Thank you. It was good. Um, but uh, I think you and I haven't quite traveled as much as our other podcast uh, member, and that's uh, Chris Williams. How are you after uh, being to several games and covering several miles? <laughs> yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, I had three very enjoyable um, football experiences this weekend. Um, and I've got another one tomorrow as we record this. So, yeah, all good, Bryce. Thank you. A very enjoyable weekend. Yes, uh, you've got plenty of games to talk about. Since I, I suppose, guys, let's just jump into the weekend's action and start off with the Friday night game where we see Borussia Mönchengladbach taking on Werner Bremen. This game... Had it all, as they said, with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach going 2-0 up um, for Werner Bremen to come back to all. Uh, we even had an own goal thrown into the middle of that. So, um, oh, where, where to begin? I, I suppose let's um, let's start with Chris. Uh, what a game, eh? Goals, snow and drama. Yes, it had everything. Just missing a red card, didn't it? Um, I must start by saying it was bitterly cold so anyone that's listening and lives in the uk will know that you know they, we were battered um, last week by cold temperatures but i have never watched football in the type of temperature that i watched the gladback game in on friday night it was freezing um <clears throat> and it was very very snowy at some point i thought we were going to get the um the orange ball but it, it never came out but yeah what a game it was uh I keep saying this all the time, and and we have to find another analogy. But it was a game of two halves, Bryce. It was, um, it was just very, very strange. And it was if you'd never seen Gladbach before, and you've never experienced what Borussia Munch and Gladbach are about, then just that ninety minutes will tell you everything you need to know about them. Yeah, amazing. As you said, we just missed a red card, really. Um, Manu. We've talked about uh, both these clubs in, in the last few weeks. Uh, one has a, a bit of a relegation battle going on. Obviously, that's Werner Bremen sitting down in 14th after that. Um, how do you think they'll get on? Do you think they've got enough about them to stay up? Mm, well, we're going to talk about the relegation battle in, in a few moments, right? But it, it does seem like that the bottom two spots pretty much cemented um sadly 
So it's really coming down to who's going to finish in that relegation playoff spot. And uh, Werder Bremen is certainly a candidate for that. Now, I do think that that second half, um, playing on a pitch like that with lots of snow on it, and I mean, <laughs> Chris was in the stadium and he had to deal with adversity himself, um, trying to type up a match report. So he can tell us all about that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky to play on snow because it becomes a little bit of a lottery when, you know, growing up in Germany and playing in conditions like that, um, quite often you, it's, the game becomes very different. And I think that Werder Bremen, um, they did what needed to be done and which was to buckle down, work hard, um, get the ball in front of the net, um, try to create chances by just by, for the sake of creating chances because the, it becomes a little bit of a lottery in conditions like that. And I thought that Werder Bremen did a very good job. So they displayed exactly what you need to display when you're in the relegation zone, which is hard work ethics. And I think that's really the positive they can take away from this because being down um, two goals and then coming back that's quite something, especially when you um in not such a you know good situation in terms of the relegation battle. And that point can be very valuable down the stretch. Yeah, it certainly can. So it's a valuable point, I would say, for Vertebrae, especially away uh from home. Um definitely um very tight down there and said I, I think that will be a valuable point uh, if, Chris if we talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach we'd said obviously they had went on a bit of a uh, per run uh, of late but uh, managing uh, four points in their last two games but the, this is a game you would imagine Borussia Mönchengladbach would not just want to win but almost be expected to win as well yeah, and that was very much the feeling on the way in um, listening to people chat and chatting to people obviously on the walk up to the stadium myself um, they were expecting to win, and I think it looked like they were going to do that. It was five minutes, you know, between um, the the start of the game and the first goal went in, and they could have had a goal before that. So they they very much went on the attacking front foot, and um, Thorgan Hazard was excellent for the opening first half. I thought he was a real real pain um, in the backside for Werder Bremen, and had there not been a, a capitulation in the second half, really. He may have had a good shout for man of the match from me, but um, again, Lars Dindel, although you know he's not scored, and, and there was a great stat that came out that night as that game kicked off, he hadn't scored for 1,154 minutes, which is you know by the time the game had finished, that had gone to just over 20 hours of football without him scoring a goal. But he was still playing exceptionally well, and he was getting stuck in, and um, he was teaming up well with Hazard down the left, and they were finding or trying to find their way through. And Werder Bremen had almost suicidal defending at time and, and that sort of played into Gladbach's hands but yeah and Manu might have a really good point there the second half um, the pitch was very snowy in fact when the second half started the only real um, part of grass that you could see was the center circle where they have the um, half-time advertising gets laid out over the center circle um, and you know Verda just were able to play a very good style of football and and I thought they probably could have gone on and won it in the end. Um, but for, for Gladbach, as I said earlier, it's pretty much a story of their season. And, and at half time, I would not have said that they looked away back in it. And I would have probably thought um, at half time, if I did think that Gladbach had gone and win it because they did have a really good chance to get um, a third goal just before the end of the first half, but it didn't go in. Um, 
so they were flying and it's it's just a real strange time for them and and when we'll go on to talk about flat stadiums soon and when goals go in but there was almost a feeling when that first goal went in um for for the Bremen there was a feeling within the stands and I could see it because I was right on the edge of the press box so sitting right next to you know your everyday punters who were in there and there was complaints and you, there was that feeling that it was going to go to 2-2 two, two and, and maybe even 2-3 at some point. Um, but they hung on. But yeah, it was, it was a typical Gladbach performance where, you know, they were they were good for 45 minutes and then pretty poor um, for another 45 minutes, which must be a real worry, Manu, for Dieter Hecking and his staff. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the things that we also have to point out is um, Dennis Zakaria, right, we had a fantastic first half, but they had to take him off at half time because he was in danger of receiving receiving a second yellow, right? And um Kuizans is a is a good player as well, but I feel with without Sakaria the, the stability in Glapper's side was just gone um to a certain extent. So maybe that's really one of the other things um that really influenced this game is the fact that a young talented midfielder like Sakaria um, was very good at the night, but then sort of undid his own good work by being in danger of being sent off. So it's, um, that's maybe a bit adds to the typical Gladbach story, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed that the uh, season started so brightly for them, but has fallen by the wayside. It's a little bit frustrating for them. And in the coming weeks, they've got some tricky games as well away to uh, Bayer Leverkusen, followed by, uh, a game at home, but against Hoffenheim. And, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be doing rather well to get, uh, four or more points out of that, I think. But let's, um, as Manu said, move on to the relegation zone. And yeah, it, it, it's rather unfortunate that uh, it looks like 17th and 18th are nailed on at the moment. Um, Cologne kill me, Chris. They kill me. Every week they show a glimmer of hope or, or they go on a little run and then they blow it again. And I don't know how much more of this I can take. They went 1-0 up, didn't they? It, it looked all rosy and, you know, Pizarro had that gold. You've seen all the, all the pizza gifts on Twitter. And then it all just went horribly wrong. But before we talk about the game, how did you enjoy your trip to Cologne? Isn't it just fantastic? Yeah, it is. And, and I put on Twitter that I'm in a very, very privileged position where I'm able to go around, you know, quite a substantial part of Europe and go to football free um, and, and report on it. And it's a wonderful experience. But there are very few stadiums that leave a lasting impression on me. Um, and Cologne will, the Rhine Energy Stadium will leave a lasting impression on me. It was, um, it was a fantastic stadium and it's very, what I would call a, a traditional, for me, a traditional English stadium. It, the, the stands are so tight to the pitch. It's got a real good feel to it. And that's the first thing that shocked me was how close I was to the pitch in the press box. That never happens as well. Uh, right down the front by the pitch. And it was so tight. And although the stands go back, they're at quite a, a strange angle compared to most stadiums. So even at the very top, the the, the, the supporters feel close. And the atmosphere was unbelievable. Um, it was a real good atmosphere. I haven't seen atmospheres like that apart from European games sometimes. 
and Bryce, I can see why you went and fell in love with the state, the place, you know, the city and the stadium. And the fans around me were some of the friendliest that I've encountered. You know, the West Valen Stadium gets a lot of praise because of the yellow wall and, you know, the biggest standing terrace in Europe and how many people are in there. It's a fantastic stadium. But there's something very, very, very special about Cologne. And I will love to go back. Now, I've got the feeling that it's going to be a Bundesliga 2 game next season. And if they can keep um, to a full house like they had, I think they could come back up quite quickly. Um, I don't know how they fell apart, Bryce, but they did. I mean, well, I do know because there's two mistakes, but it was a 90 seconds. Um, it was 90 seconds that defined 90 minutes. Yeah, that killed them, didn't it? Just at the end of the half, they're conceding two Mario Gomez goals. But uh, as you said, Chris, um, even if they go down to uh, Bundesliga 2, I'll still be uh, trying my very best to uh, make a few trips over there. I even said to Manu that it looks like uh, Fortuna Cologne. Uh, are having a good season in uh, in the third tier, and that it would be quite exciting if both those teams could tear off in Bundesliga two uh, against each other, even if a little unlikely for Fortuna. But Manu, you and I have discussed about how we were optimistic about Cologne pulling out of this position. Uh, the optimism starting to fade a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. You know, it's just so hard for them. I think really when, when you, when you see the mistakes, you know, they, there's always a glimmer of hope. And then, as you said, they, be, they get undone. I think some of it is down to the fact that it's the, the way they found themselves with just three points going into the winter break. Um, every game for them is like a final. And I think that, um, is something that is quite strenuous. And you see the team is playing always at the maximum because they don't have a, diff- they don't have another choice, right? They have to always go for the three points. No matter who they're playing, they always have to go for the three points to keep this glimmer of hope, um, alive. And I think, I think that is really just also why, how you see mistakes happening, mistakes that then get you undone because you often always play on that edge, always play at 110%. Um, you, you are more likely to make mistakes, but you, they don't have a, they don't have a choice, right? Um, so this time it was Timo Horn. Feel really bad for him because he was the only player who was constant the entire season. And I think there's a lot of players, even from Stuttgart, Mario Gomez went to him afterwards and lifted him off the ground. And, um, it's, it's hard, but you know, this is just in a normal, normal season. If your keeper makes a mistake, it's not the end of the world. But right now they can't afford any mistakes, right? And I think this is really. This is just a bit too much and it's a bit too far and it's just something that they physically, I don't think they can sustain it and because they need to make up so many points in that second half of the season and it's just not possible. So it's too bad because I, I love the stadium too. I think it's a great ground. It's one of my favorite cities as well to visit because it's always a very good atmosphere around the stadium. It's a fun place to go to. Um, so yeah, it's, it's too bad. And I think that's it. Um, maybe one fun fact about this game. So Pizarro scored, right? Which means that he's now scored in the Bundesliga every year for the last 20 years. So that's, that's impressive. You know, 20 years in a row has scored at least one Bundesliga goal. Um, so a little tribute to Pizarro. Pizza, even if it's probably not going to happen next year, this, this is still an amazing run. Yeah, that's a hell of a feat, isn't it? A hell of an achievement for him, even if he, he's maybe past his best and uh, not quite moving like he was. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's, it, it, it Cologne maybe left themselves with too much to do, um, after that terrible start. But, um, just, uh, to finish off on, uh, FC, Chris, 
I mean, we've obviously seen Cologne look somewhat better in the second half of the season compared to the first. Does this um, look good for them then if they do go down? Do you think they'll they'll have a, enough of a side to uh, come back up or... Do you think when they go down, I suppose that that team will be broken up? I'd be surprised if they kept, you know, the vast majority of it together. I mean, look at some of the players they've got. Uh, you know, they are um, very, very good players, and they'll be in demand not only in Germany, but you know, there'll be places in other parts of Europe that would like to pick them up. Um, you know, for what will probably be a cheap price. Um, I just back to the match. I have seen. Um, I've seen cup finals and I've seen players lose cup finals and look, and look less dejected than that. Some of those Cologne players. Hector was on the floor face down. Um, Horn was inconsolable. Um, you know, and, and the poor guy, not only was he inconsolable, he was then um, poached straight away by Sky to do a pitch side interview, um, which must have been horrendous for him. And they, they started the match so well. And there was the feeling inside the stadium um, was that. You know they they were going to do it, and those two goals, wow! It was the the stuffing was knocked out of everybody, and you could have heard a pin drop um, at half time. Nobody was speaking to each other really um, around the stands. Uh, it was it was a very very strange atmosphere, and you know then they dragged themselves back in it, although they went down again. And you know Beck's goal, whilst it was a good goal, I still think Timo Horn could have done better. Maybe he was a bit unsighted. It was hard to tell where I was from, and I didn't have a TV monitor in front of me. Um, but it just seemed an inoculous shot that crept in. I mean, and Beck himself was was hopping and skipping and jumping. I don't even think he expected it to go in. Uh, but but the the fans there will will keep will keep the the side going. They'll have to. Um, but yeah, I got the feeling leaving the stadium um, that everybody in there thought that was it. That was a season defining game, and they were beaten because that was the chance. And Bryce for them to go above Hamburg and I think if they'd won that and come off the bottom for the first time since August and leapfrogged Hamburg that would have given them such a boost that maybe they could have pushed on but it's almost you know it's like that gold medal was just in their grasp and, and it slipped away from them and it'll be hard to see them come back from this now because I think that'll be one of the biggest mental torches that they will get this season um, and it is really unfortunate because the football they played at times was fantastic. The, you know, the opening, the opening 44 minutes, I thought they were excellent. Um, in fact, it was 15 minutes before I think um, Stuttgart got a foothold in the match, and, and um, Osako was brilliant. Um, obviously, Pizarro's goal was beautiful. You know, there was, there was just a lot of players playing very, very well. And then you're looking at two mistakes. Um, Hoga was asleep. Um, and they was nicked upon by who I gave man of the match to, um, Eric Tommy, pounced on it straight away, straight into Gomez, bang, goal. 90 seconds later, it's a similar sort of combination, although Timo Horn has a, and has a nightmare. Um, you know, the ball goes under his body. It happens for keepers. Man who's a keeper will tell you that mm-hmm. things happen like that occasionally. But, you know, it was so sad for them. And uh, when Joic came on it and he got that goal very quickly, I thought maybe, just maybe they could have salvaged the point, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately, for Cologne. Yeah, rather unfortunate. And Manu, have we decided that uh, Hamburg, this is it for them? Yeah, yeah. I I think so. I mean, they look just as bad as, um, you know, they were in a similar situation that if they had won that game against Mainz, um, that would have been two points. They would be, they would be on 20 points now and Mainz would be on 24, right? That's four points is nothing. Now it's seven, seven points and nine games. It's a lot, and 
it's not, it's also the way Hamburg are playing. It's just the, you just get that sense that there is no way that side can be resurrected. There is totally deflated. Um, the, the decision to fire Gistol and bring in Bernd Hollerbach, a relatively unexperienced coach who, yes, had half a good season with Würzburg seems like a very bad decision now in retrospect. And it seems, you know, one of the headlines was Stunde Null, uh, in Hamburg, you know, of course, reflecting to the clock, our favorite clock that it will probably be set to zero soon. But it was also the, the phrase used after World War II in Germany, you know, that sense that the world has sort of ended for that there's a, a new era, a new, the end of an old bad era, but the beginning of a new era that, that has the sense of foreboding that you don't know what's happening next. And that's, that was one of the headlines in the papers uh, about Hamburg, Stunde Null in Hamburg. And I think that's really fitting title for what's going on in Hamburg right now, because I think everyone's realized there now that this is it. The clock is ticking, yes, till the end of the season, and then it will be set to zero and it will be gone. And that is just um, something that I don't know if they can get themselves out of it. Um, when you hear people like Buchhagen talk that we have to play the season, we have to finish the season uh, decently, you know, without dropping too many points. The fight is gone. It's deflation all around. So I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Hamburg are gone. Um, and I would actually say that even with this defeat that Köln just experienced, I, I think that Köln actually have a higher chance to stay in the league than Hamburg right now. Um, just with the sense that you get, because in Köln, you, and I mean, Chris, you were just there. You still get the sense that there's a lot of hope, right? And, um, that the fans are behind the side, no matter what. In Hamburg, that's not the case. In Hamburg, the fans are against the team now, you know, um, there's almost this, uh, hope that this time that this team goes down that there can be sort of like a restart a reset of everything and that's when you get into that kind of uh mentality you can't get out of that anymore yeah you're spot on and it's you mentioned it a little bit earlier a couple of minutes ago it, it's the way they're playing football clone are playing some really good football and they're up for the fight as well um, and you could see that when they went 3-1 down they didn't just give up they were they looked to get back in the game and, and they did um, or, you know, albeit it wasn't enough in the end. But when I watch Hamburg play, you're quite right. They, they're they just, you know, going through the motions now. They're just, oh, yeah, we're here, you know, a couple of months. I'll be gone. I won't be in this um, city. I won't be in this team anymore. I'll be getting my wages paid by somebody else. And that's the feeling they get there. Where at Cologne, I did get the genuine feeling that the players want to pull themselves out of that mess. And um, the way they're going, I think the teams at some point will flip and and it wouldn't surprise me to see Hamburg finish rock bottom. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. You just how are they not going to finish rock bottom? And you know, there's a four or five players in that side that already know that their tech contracts are not going to be extended. So it's yeah, yeah. I I just don't see it. I really can't see it. I think this is it. We were, we're going to lose the last dino, the last dinosaur of the league. Uh, we'll be gone, and maybe. Um, that's not a bad thing, but uh, on the other hand, I always think that relegation is such a um, cutting experience, isn't it? I mean, you lose players, you lose people working uh, for the club because you have to cut down. Um, the budget is all going to be half of what it was. Um, you lose a lot of prestige. Um, you know, the fact that this was the city that's always been in the Bundesliga that's going to be 
gone. Um, Hamburg is a big city. It's the second biggest city in Germany. All of a sudden, there's not going to be any Bundesliga football there. Um, that's going to be a big loss of prestige as well. So I think this is this is something uh, some people in Germany. I mean, Bryce, you mentioned that you were in a bar and said how they hope that Hamburg are going down, but um, there is can be something cle- cleansing about relegation. But people also forget that it can also be something that can destroy a club. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we've seen in different countries, haven't we, that teams go down and they come back stronger. Um, and, and then we've also seen them go down and then drop down even further. I mean, I, I suppose, you know, if you're in England at the moment, you'd look at uh, Sunderland, for an example, and you would say that, you know, things are looking very challenging for them in the in the second tier in the in the championship. And you would like to hope that that doesn't happen, Hamburg, and that they can go down and kind of sort themselves out and come back up. I think that's what a lot of people would like to see. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely need to change something. And it doesn't look like um, sitting, you know, well, sitting in, in 16th the last year, the last few years has done them any favors. So, um, yeah, good luck against Bayern Munich next week. That's all I can say. Oh, that's going to um, be a disaster. I, I, um, <laughs> well, double digits, Bryce, and I'm not even joking. I think that could be double digits. I, I think you're right. Hamburg obviously aren't defending very well, but they're not getting goals either. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't look good. And especially when, uh, Byron are coming off the back of a rather hefty win this weekend, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. But, um, but before we go back and talk about, um, Stuttgart, aside that are incredible form, um, against, uh, Cologne, let's just look at Bundesliga too. Uh, and see if, if both of those teams were to go down. I mean, as we said, things aren't looking too, uh, too, you know, fruitful for them. Uh, well, that seems that maybe Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, and Nuremberg may come up. I mean, things are looking pretty good with them sitting in with 47 and 45 points. Well, Holston Kiel sitting in third, uh, with only 40. Uh, Manu, uh, these are obviously, uh, Two sides that are familiar to the Bundesliga, and uh, well, you know, would you be welcoming them back into it? Is is the question I'd be asking? Well, Nuremberg, especially Nuremberg, is such a traditional club, eight times champion, um, a Bavarian city, a large Bavarian city, beautiful city as well. I, I abs- I'm a huge fan of Nuremberg. Um, it's only an hour and a half drive from Munich, and um, it's the home to the world's largest Christmas market, home to the oldest. Um, sausage barbecue place in the world and um it's home to a very traditional club in Erste FC Nürnberg it's um I definitely would welcome them back up great stadium too 45,000 um I know we had Stefan Busch go on once and he said well they have they have a running track oh, well it's not an issue that stadium is very loud it's a it's a great place a great atmosphere Nürnberg is in my opinion a Bundesliga city so them coming up they will certainly fill the void um, left um, by someone like Hamburg. And Düsseldorf is, I mean, Düsseldorf is one of the richest cities in Germany. Um, together with Munich, the highest living standard in Germany. It's a beautiful city as well. I was very fortunate that I was there in November and saw them play against Dynamo Dresden. They have a very good side, very well-run project by Friedhelm Funkel. And it's, it's a great stadium as well, a huge stadium. And I think that they easily... Um, you know, Düsseldorf, of course, Düsseldorf and Cologne don't get along at all. It's a 30 minute train ride between the two cities. So there will be a bit, um, will be interesting to watch social media when the one goes up and the other one goes down. But yeah, that's, that's definitely going to be another, uh, fantastic 
team and city coming to the Bundesliga if that's how the table is going to end up. And I, I think Nuremberg and Düsseldorf have enough to finish the, the season in first and second place and go up. Bryce, if um, Hamburg and Cologne are looking at Bundesliga 2, they should keep an eye on Darmstadt, who obviously were in the Bundesliga last season and are second from bottom at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a, a fine example, isn't it, of, of a team that's... Uh, well, drop like a stone, really. I mean, obviously, we had Paderborn before that as well, who, yeah. um, if it wasn't for 1860, would have gone down to the fourth division as well. That's right. That's It can happen very quick. And and you look at Kaiserslautern, you know, big traditional club, founding member of the Bundesliga, home of Fritz Walter. They're sitting rock bottom in Bundesliga 2 right now. I mean, they have had some positive results lately, but... Um, Going down there doesn't mean you're going, you're going to do a Stuttgart and Hannover and go straight up. There's countless examples. Köln is an example. Köln is an example that went down and took a year or two to go back up and, um, really struggled at times to, to establish themselves back in the league. It's, it's, remember, we have chatted about this. This is only 18 teams in both leagues. It's tight. It's really tight to find a spot in the Bundesliga, especially if you dropped out once. Not everyone is as lucky as Stuttgart, you know, that have Mercedes step in um, the year after they get back promoted and invest 50 million euros in the squad, which allows a side like Stuttgart to be promoted, fire their coach, bring in a different coach and sign someone like Mario Gomez in the winter transfer market. Not many teams in Germany have that privilege. Uh, and Köln and Hamburg right now under the current financial structures that they're in do not have that privilege. So I think this is, this is something to keep in mind. I, I think... Of the two, Köln will probably be the more likely to be fine because they have all the, they have some big assets in their squad. Um, and all the players are under Bundesliga two contracts as well. So they can sell someone like Jonas Hecker or they can sell, sell someone like Timo, Timo Horn for big money and then retain some of the more talented players next season. So they will be fine. But in Hamburg, um, yes, all the players are under Bundesliga two contracts as well. I, heard, I read that they, they're going to, get uh, 30 to 40 percent of their wages cut but no one will want to buy these players you know this is a deflated squad right no one wants these guys um so it's it's a bit of a different story so they will have to find the financial means to sort of rebuild and with the investor kuna in there who is so hot and cold it's a good example of why investors in football are not always a good thing i think hamburg hamburg is looking at at a bundesliga two season that could be very challenging for them Yeah, very much so. And, uh, I feel, um, I, I feel Nuremberg and, um, Dusseldorf could be a, a good addition to the, uh, Bundesliga. But obviously with my, um, with my favoring to Cologne, I, I would say that I would like to see Cologne take on Dusseldorf in the Bundesliga if a little unlikely. I've just come across a stat as well, um, Manu, which, um, I didn't realize, um, FC Nuremberg have actually been relegated. From the Bundesliga more than anyone else. Eight yeah. occasions. They so, were also yeah. the only team in Bundesliga history to win a championship and then get relegated the next year. Oh, wow. That is impressive. Um, guys, let's go back a little bit. As much as I would like to talk about uh, Holsten Kiel and how they're still sitting in third. Well, actually, I will. I'll, I'll, ask, um, 
I'll ask either of you guys, uh, do, do you think Holston Kiel would have what it takes, even though we may not get to tune into Bundesliga 2 very often, to possibly uh, take down Mainz or Wolfsburg? We may have to um, look at uh, Wolfsburg or Mainz um, and their form, rather than knowing much about Holston Kiel. But how bad um, do you think uh, Mainz or Wolfsburg have been, Chris? Do you think... Um, either of those teams would stand a possibility of uh, dropping down, or do you think they're going to be strong enough against uh, the the lower tier um, opposition? I think if it is um, Holston Kiel in the relegation playoff place, and if it's Wolfsburg or Mainz, I do feel that either of those two sides will be just too strong. My only fear is if that um, Holston Kiel go up, they will get battered week in, week out, and nobody wants that. Mm, yeah, I, I have a feeling you could be right. I think it's too many promotions in a row for them, but but good on them. Uh, they seem to be having a, a rather special season as they're newly they, promoted. They do have an investor, Bryce. So there, there is investor and there's money there. Um, but the infrastructure, I think it's it would be too fast, right? Because the yeah. infrastructure hasn't grown fast enough to sustain um, their level of growth. Is sort of similar scenario to to Paderborn and. We've seen with Paderborn what can happen if you grow too fast, right? Um, so that's a similar scenario for me. But <laughs> we talked about promotion and relegation and the, the playoff that the team finishing third in the second league often has a bit of an advantage over the team finishing third last in the, in the Bundesliga, right? Because you're in a different state of mind. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, one team is used to winning, I suppose, all season and the other team... Not so much, but uh, would you guys say that um, RB Leipzig would be um, a team that uh, they would be trying to follow the example of uh, promotion and you know, being able to stay in the table and, and doing rather well with investment, but possibly that RB Leipzig um, have a, a rather better setup? Oh, it's a totally different oh. beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got um, they've got Red Bull money. Uh, you know, if we had Red Bull money, we could build a team. Yeah. Yeah, we could, but but that's a conversation for another day. Let's talk about some um, sides that uh, have been promoted, and one of them is Stuttgart. We've seen them come into the league this year, and um, they had a rather bright start. Then they fell away, and now they seem to be back. And yes, they beat uh, Cologne at the weekend, even if their uh, fortune did seem to uh, come to their rescue a little bit. But um, since Typhoon Corkut, yes said it again, um, has, taken, <laughs> has taken charge. They seem to have uh, put together a rather positive run. Uh, Chris, you've seen them at the uh, weekend. Um, yeah, he seems to be having a rather positive effect. Um, he did, he was something that he couldn't achieve at Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, you know, fair play to him. He's come in and they were playing some very good football. Um, don't forget, I saw Stuttgart on the very last day of the first half of the season against Bayern. Um, where they, you know they were very unlucky, um, and I thought that day Stuttgart didn't play particularly attractive football. However, Sunday I, I thought once they got a foothold in, once um, you know Cologne had um, had their chances, and uh, you know for the first forty minutes or so, once they got that back in, uh, once they got that foothold back into the game, I thought they were very good. Second half, I thought they were very good as well, and. and what I was particularly impressed with and that I didn't see um, when our friend Typhoon was in by Leverkusen was the ability to defend. Stuttgart defended excellently on Sunday. There was wave after wave after wave of Cologne attack. Um, and I was a little bit 
critical um, when I was because I did the match report and also ran the live minute by minute report as well. Um, Stuttgart just said to Cologne, "You have the ball, we'll drop back and you come and get through us if you can," which I thought was very risky, um, but it worked for them. And you know, if you can if you can play well up front and you've got someone um, like Mario Gomez who can score with half a chance um, and you can defend as resolutely as they did, you know they maybe he's a good fit for them um but yeah I, I was impressed with them i thought they were i thought they were very good and unfortunate as it is for cologne on the the balance of play um stuttgart were worth their victory in the end yeah rather unfortunate for the likes of cologne fans like myself but uh, manu were you a little bit um surprised by corkut's uh, appointment and you know um do you agree that uh, with chris and i that he seems to have not just steadied the ship there, but they're playing some decent football. I mean, they could potentially get in the Europa League, couldn't they? I think that his first thing he did is to sh- shut shop, right, and um, focus on getting or not conceding um, too many goals. And that's something that he's done quite well. And from that position of strength, they collected most of their points, although against Cologne, I guess, um, they conceded twice. But I think that a lot of people complained about him coming in. I mean, we were laughing too, right? I remember our WhatsApp chat when I said, guess who they signed? And uh, your reaction, of course, was, oh, no, I have to say his name. Um, yeah. Chris's reaction was, <laughs> what? <laughs> and um, he's kind of shown that maybe, you know, Leverkusen was such a mess last year. Um, in I think in Stuttgart, Stutt- Stuttgart, Hannes Wolf actually did a very good job the previous coach. He just didn't get the results. And I think Hannes Wolf, um, he himself saw that too, right? And he actually, when he left the club, it was um, very amicable. He left the club after a conversation with the president, Dietrich, and said, okay, look, I cannot reach the squad anymore. It's it, Maybe it's time we change something. So he could found a good foundation. Um, so he had to just make some tweaks because the, the as Chris said, when we, I saw them against, um, Dortmund, Chris saw them against Bayern both times. They were quite good. Um, and I, I think that they just needed some slight little adjustments and those slight little adjustments are working. And now, I mean, they're now ninth, um, in the standings and they are, when you consider that seventh place will probably be enough for a Europa League spot this year, they can pull off Freiburg. Uh, they could. They really could. It's only two points to a Europa League spot for them right now. Um, they're, they're definitely out of relegation trouble. You know, something like 36 points will be enough this year to, to not get relegated, I reckon. And, um, they're only on one win away from that. And yeah, two points away from a Europa League spot. So, you know, that's, that would be, of course, an amazing turnaround for Stuttgart. Yes, indeed. I must uh, give credit to him as well because I thought it was a bit of a odd appointment. Um, not just uh, not wanting to say his name, but uh, didn't really rate his time at Bayer Leverkusen. And seems to be doing a very good job, and they'll be taking on RB Leipzig next. But I think it's about time we talk about that Saturday night game, and where we've seen RB Leipzig taking on a Borussia Dortmund, which ended. 1-1. Both teams obviously have aspirations of getting into the Champions League and finishing as high as they can in the table. Uh, They've both had up and down seasons, I feel, and they're trying to balance the Europa League as well. Um, Chris, um, how did this game go? Um, Who looked the better and who is this a better result for? Well, I think on the balance of play, um, 
it was a fair result, but who's it better? That's a good question, that Bryce. Who's it a better result for? I would go with where both teams are at the moment. Um, that it's a better result for Leipzig because Dortmund were second um, on the day. I've got a bit of a, a funny backstory to this. Well, it's only funny if you think it's funny, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I was at Schalke Saturday afternoon um, watching their game against Hertha Berlin. And after a press conference had finished and I was still working, um, I asked if um, if they could put the um, Dortmund game on. And I got the worst look I've ever gotten in my life. I had to double check that I hadn't sworn. <laughs> in German, um, and I had to check what I'd said to them. Um, but yeah, I said, can we put the Dortmund game on, please? Uh, and the look I got was, um, was was to die for. And then I remembered I was at Schalke, and that's probably why they looked at me like that. Um, Surely you should have asked, can we put the RB Leipzig game on? Yeah, that's probably what I should have done. Um, <laughs> the Leipzig game on. But I said, can we put the Dortmund game on, please? And, and the lady who had the TV control in her hand just scowled at me. Um, <laughs> So I had to go upstairs, believe it or not, Bryce, where it was on in a bar in a Veltins arena. Um, and I got to see got to see a little bit of it <laughs> well, and then got kicked out. You still got to see it, I suppose. Um but yeah, it was you would I would say it's a better result for Leipzig because Dortmund were um were higher up the table, but then obviously Leipzig took the lead and couldn't hold on to it. So, you know, there's six and two threes for either side. Um, I'm sure neither of them will be happy with um, a point each, though, because had either of them won, it would have given them a better standard in the table. I think it's all about who finishes second, third and fourth now, because um, they're going to get Champions League football. I think it's the prestige of who finishes seconds and, and who can say, actually, you finish fourth. It's really hard to get a winner out of this one, because, I mean, if Dortmund had won that one, they would have opened up a massive gap to Leipzig, right? Um it would have been four points, so now it's just three. Um, sorry, it would have been five points, and now it's just three. Um, so I think that Leipzig are not too unhappy with the point. Um, at the same time, I think when you just look at the way both teams played, and I think this is something that you hear from both camps, is that they were both quite happy with the way they played because this was probably Dortmund's best game under Stöger. And this was also Leipzig's best game in three games. Um, both teams played open, attractive football. Dortmund, I think, scored three offside goals in the first half alone. Um, there was lots going on. And I think that this this game probably deserved a few more goals um, in overall. And I think that both teams will be looking back and just say, okay, well, the result is not what we wanted, but the performance was. Because if both sides played the way they did that evening... Um, on a regular basis, they don't, both of them don't have to worry about reaching the Champions League because that will be enough against any of the other 16 teams to get six, three points in this league. So I think that's really what both teams are going to take away from this. Um, the, the draw was, I thought the draw was very deserved. I think that, um, both sides did not deserve more than a draw because they were so even on the field. What this has done though, this draw, um, is you seeing who's going to be better for it? One of the reasons I think it's better for Leipzig because Dortmund now um, are locked on the same points as Eintracht Frankfurt. And what is next Sunday's game? Dortmund against Eintracht Frankfurt. Although it's at the Westfalen Stadion, if Dortmund lose that and the teams around them win, they could find themselves, you know, out of the top four potentially down to um, down to fifth, maybe even sixth at the end of that match day. Um, so then you will see how much of an implication this draw has had for them. And Leipzig are against Stuttgart, who could 
close the gap to sixth place to three points. Would it be feasible to see as Stuttgart and Eintracht come out on top in those games? I mean, both teams have a well, well, both won this weekend, but both teams have looked fairly strong this season. I think Frankfurt probably more likely than Stuttgart, to be honest. I mean, Frankfurt, they last year, this this time of the year, they, they deflated. This year, that's not happening. And, you know, they're not consistent, but this year, you, consistency is not with anyone but Bayern. And um, I think, I think that that's, I mean, that's going to be the game to watch. Frankfurt Dortmund is going to be the biggest game to watch on that weekend on Sunday, um, Sunday six o'clock kickoff in Germany, five o'clock kickoff in the UK, um, nine a.m. on the West Coast, twelve twelve p.m. if you're on the East Coast in the United States. That's going to be the game to watch, in in my opinion, because this is this is going to be um, one of those two sides will make a big step towards the Champions League that evening. Yeah, most certainly. And may I just say that um, Eintracht aren't bad on the road either. They've won more games on the road than what Dortmund have at home. So there's just another little fact to throw in that probably mm. means nothing. But, no, but we will have all the facts and all everything that you need to know about this game on com. Of course we will. We always do, don't we? Um, right. Well, I suppose, Chris, we better talk about your time. <laughs> At the uh, Schalke game, um, uh, well, you're gonna have to fill us in on just how it all went down. Apart from you getting a load of abuse for asking towards the game after Schalke came out on top, one nil winners. Um, where I suppose the two questions are: How good are Schalke at the moment? Are they good enough to get into the Champions League? Um, with Guido Bergstaller playing, yes, they are. Um, I thought they looked a little bit. Um, I'm going to use this word, Bryce, impotent um, up front on Saturday. And, and, and I say that because it's a video that's going around social media. Um, well, you didn't need to go there. <laughs> it's horrendous, isn't it? It's a terrible video. Um, however, I thought that this was, I don't know, still don't know how this game ended 1-0 because, you know, it could have ended up 4-4. It was, it was actually a pretty good game to watch. Um but they were just a little shy in front of goal. And that's my only fear for Schalke, is that if Bergstaller's not playing at the moment, um, he seems to give them that impetus to score. So if he's not on the score sheet himself, he's he's feeding those around him. So um, his loss through, you know, that yellow card suspension, that one-game suspension, um, they just about got away with. Um, I thought the rest of it, they were okay. Had Hertha had their shooting boots with them, I think, Schalke could have been undone on Saturday, but you know they've done what they've done, and crucially for them now, um, they've leapfrogged their main rival in the area, Dortmund, um, and they're second in the table. And you know that's a, a lot of local rivalry and intensity that will will come out with that uh, league position. And if it stays like that, Schalke will obviously be ecstatic. Um, but yeah, on the balance of play, I suppose they just about deserve their win. And I only say that because Hertha couldn't score. Um, but yeah, um, Marco Pajka, I thought it was, I thought it was very good, um, throughout the whole game. Um, I was more disappointed from a Hertha side with, with the likes of, um, Solomon Kalou because although he played very well, he, he just, he just fell off the pace in the final third, which, you know, considering what he's on the, um, pitch to do was a little disappointing. So for me, it was it was a good game, um, but there was more disappointing parts to it than there were promising parts, and that and that's for both sides, Bryce. 
Yeah, to Chris, I suppose the next question I was going to ask was um, about Hertha and just say where they uh, as boring as they can be at times. We we um, discussed well, the times no, that they're that a bit flat. Be, that'd be a little unfair. So I've seen Hertha a couple of times. Uh, in fact, the last time I saw them was at home against Borussia Dortmund. And I thought they were pretty boring that night. However, I didn't think they were that boring on um, on on Saturday. I thought they used the the width of the Veltins Arena pitch very well. They got on bound down both flanks very very well and were firing a number of dangerous crosses. Um, so I would say their football's improved over the last couple of match days, and they really they really should have taken that game by a scruff of the neck. And they'll probably be, in fact, on the match report for footballstat.com that I wrote. I said they will be aggrieved that they left without at least a point from the hard work that they put in. Yeah, I actually thought that they didn't look that bad that day. Usually they they really put you to sleep, but I actually didn't think I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't as bad as usual. Um, so yeah, I guess that's really the only thing I can add. I, Chris did a very good job summing it all up. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Chris. And well, yeah, guys, I think you've done well at saving us um, some abuse from maybe some Hertha fans online. Uh, but sorry, just haven't been as entertaining um, as we'd like, maybe. Uh, but um, Hertha will take on Freiburg uh, next week. Well, we'll see Schalke travel to Mainz. Um, guys, uh, just quickly before we move away from Schalke, um, Manny, I know that you talked about Max Meyer mm. uh, previously. Some people dubbing him as um, a replacement for Zabi Alonso, if any club was to need that. Um, is, is he going anywhere? Do we know anything more ab- about it? Yeah, we, we still don't know. I mean, there's, the, the, the problem seems that um, it's between Christian Heidel, uh, sporting director of Schalke, the club Schalke in general and um Roger Wittmann, the the agent, um very famous agent in German football. Roger Wittmann he likes it's not the case anymore at Schalke, but they he likes to park armies of his players at certain clubs and then influence clubs that way. And um he's lost a lot of influence at Schalke. Uh, there's only two players leave left at Schalke that are um, with Roger Wittmann's agency, and that's Max Meyer and Thilo Kera, and both are holding out um, um, their contract negotiations. Now, this is unfortunate because it seems like Max Meyer actually wants to stay at Schalke, um, but you know when there is conflict between an agent and a club, that's always very difficult. Clubs like to limit the influence that single agents have on the club, and that's—I mean—that makes sense, right? But if you do that, then you of course also run into the trouble that um, that agent can sort of block any kind of contract negotiations. Now this gets into a debate on the power of agents, etc. But I think that um, it, from what it sounds like, it's going to be very difficult for Schalke to resign him. That said, um, Max Meyer wants to stay, so. I guess this will be probably solved with Schalke having to throw a bunch of money um, at Max Meyer and maybe um, sometimes agents like to, you know, get a little bit of influence and have um, preferential treatment when it comes to other players being on, on their roster being signed by clubs. So this is one to watch for sure. Guys, it was interesting for me to observe that when he was taken off, um, I think it was just before we went into added time and um, Conor Polanka came on, there was quite a bit of discontent from the stands. You know, when, um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Schalke, but the Veltins has got a massive um, 
four well, square with a uh, with TV on each side because obviously it has concerts in the off season. Um, and when Max Meyer's name was held up, there was a few grumbles from the side. So I think maybe they're seeing um, the whole Leon Goretzka issue played out again, where uh, where a player of theirs who they like isn't committing themselves to the club or they don't feel he's committing themselves to the club. So it was interesting for me to note that there was quite a few um, disconcerting um, grumbles when his, when his name and his, his face um, flashed up. And that wasn't because they were annoyed he was being taken off um, by Tedesco. I think it was more the fact that he, they were just annoyed at him. Mm. Yeah, Roger Wittmann is not a popular man in, in with, among fans in period. There's a, there's a lot of stories um, of him parking several players at one club and sort of taking over influence. Uh, may I just ask the guys, I mean, if, if we see, well, we know Goretzka's leaving, but if we see a Meyer leave in the summer as well, obviously two big players for Schalke and for Tedesco. Uh, I mean, does Schalke have the money in the summer, especially if they were to get in the Champions League, to bolster that squad and, you know, maybe play up to the standard of football that they've reached at times this year, once again with replacements? That's, uh, I don't know. I saw the statistic today that Schalke has lost more players to free agency than not any other club. You can't replace players, uh, if you don't get money for them. Um, so I, I think, I think it'd be a lot of work for Christian Heidel next summer. Um, if he, if he loses both Max Meyer and Goretzka. And Dominic Tedesco be pulling what remaining hair he's got out because he has, um, he's coached Meyer into that deeper role. So I think he will feel. Um, not that it's a wasted time, but he will feel that just where he was getting somewhere with a, a very quality player and being able to maybe make him into a multi-role attacking midfielder, central midfielder and defensive midfielder. So, you know, a multi-midfielder role can play in any of the three key central areas. For him to lose him after he's coached him, that would be um, that would feel a kick in the teeth, I think, for any coach. Mm. Yeah, most certainly would. Um I suppose we better talk about another potential transfer saga that's going on with uh, Robert Lewandowski as well of uh, Bayern Munich. We've seen the striker sat on the bench um, at the weekend as uh, Bayern were away to Freiburg and ended up winning 4-0. Chris, what exactly is going on there? we've, We've heard in the past about him being linked with a possible move to Real Madrid, but is this actually going to happen or is it just maybe paper talk? Oh well, there's there's lots of talk at the minute, isn't there? And when you've got someone like Jupp Heinkes mentioning it in his press conference, you know, saying that maybe he needs to um, concentrate on playing for Bayern, and what, why would you want to look anywhere else than Bayern? And then all of a sudden he's not starting. Uh, that may say something, but you also have to remember that you know Bayern have got some crucial games coming up in the next couple of weeks, and the whole reason they brought Sandro Wagner in was to be able to keep. Um, Lewandowski fresh so when you're going away to Freiburg that's not really no disrespect to Freiburg that's not really going to need your strongest 11 when you're Bayern Munich so if there was any chance for him to be rested or rotated in the next few games that was the game I don't think it's helped that he's surrounded by um, constant speculation Um, and can I see him going I, well, Bayern have come out and said that basically he's not for sale unless they get a remarkable amount of money. Um, look at what players are going for at the moment. Uh, is he 
Is he better than Osama Dembele? Yes. Um, is he better than Felipe Coutinho? Yes. So, you know, there, you're looking there for 150 million euros all in. Um, you know, depending on payments and structures of payments, they're still around about 150 million. Um, so I think it would take 150 plus, maybe even 200 million for buying to part company with him. And will Real Madrid pay that? Um, I just don't know with, with Spanish side sometimes, especially with Madrid. They seem very happy to unsettle players a bit, a little bit like Barcelona do, unsettle players and then try and get them cheaper. Um, and I think if they're going to try that with Bayern Munich, they're going to try that with the wrong club. Yeah, I, I think we can bury actually any speculation that Lewandowski is going anywhere. Bayern have said we're not a seller's club. End of story. Boom. They don't, they're not selling. They, they have, they have driven that line in the past with all the players, Frank Ribéry, for example, when Chelsea came and, um, offered 65 million euros plus, I think it was Bozinga at the time for, for Frank Ribery by and said, nope. And, um, with other players, Thomas Müller uh, had an, had a massive offer from Manchester United by and said, nope. Bayern want, don't want to be a PSA sellers club. That's the, the bottom line. Um, they will not sell their players and they just point at Lewandowski's contract that runs till 2021. Um, that's three years from now. Um, at which point Lewandowski is going to be 33 and then he's probably going to leave the club because he's going to be too old to play there. Um, I think that is the bottom line. I think any speculations that any club will try to come in and sign and Lewandowski then can stand on his head and do whatever he wants to do and uh, go and strike, etc. Bayern will not budge. There is no way. And this is something that Bayern have always been way more consistent about than any other team. I think Dortmund actually needs to look at what Bayern does when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and just take an example from that because I think Lewandowski might try something this summer and I think he will be, uh, he will fall on, uh, deaf ears. Yeah, most certainly. I can't see him going anywhere if I'm being honest either, but, um, that, that more or less does it, I think, for this week's, uh, podcast. I think we've managed to cover quite a lot of, if being honest. Um, I suppose, it, it means, guys, I'm going to ask what you've got going on this week. I, I would imagine with uh, Borussia Dortmund um, featuring in the uh, Europa League along with RB Leipzig, both at home, um, football grads will be uh, covering both uh, extensively um, amongst the other games, Manu. Yeah, absolutely. So the Champions League previews are up and then the Europa League previews are coming. Um, some of them right after this recording and then some of them throughout the week because we have we're going to cover every game uh, every Europa League game and then of course the the match reports Dortmund Leipzig and then Chris is of course at Anfield tomorrow yeah very much excited about that though I I think yeah Porto have got a rather uphill challenge um Manu just a, a quick question it can be um a one word answer um can either Borussia Dortmund or RB Leipzig win the Europa League I think they both can win it. Everything is possible in football. I think there's, there's a good chance they're both two good sides. And, um, I mean, Leipzig in particular is going to be interesting for us because it's a bit of a football grad derby with Sinit. Um, so a game that we're going to cover very closely. But yes, of course. Uh, I mean, I think we're now at the stage of the Europa League where every team, um, there is no small sides left anymore. When you look at the round of 16, it almost feels a bit like a Champions League draw. Uh, it's, a, it's fantastic games. I mean, some of the games that we're previewing is Arsenal against Milan, for example. That's a game with a lot of history. 
So yes, I think both sides can win it, but it's it's not going to be easy. No, definitely not. But I I like your positivity and your response. And Chris, you're obviously going to be at Anfield, uh, where Liverpool take on Porto tomorrow night. And because Jurgen Klopp is German, I'm going to ask: uh, Can a German win the Champions League? Yes, no. Um, <laughs> um I would love to see Jurgen. No one, in fact, no one would love to see a German um called Jurgen Klopp win the Champions League more than me. Um, I. Uh, Manu's quite right. It's knockout football. I still think it's just a little bit too far for Liverpool. Um, I think Bayern... Well, why not, let's just have a Bayern-Liverpool final in Kiev and see how it goes. I'll settle for that. A one-off? Oh, that, that, wouldn't that be lovely? That'd be great. Would and Liverpool would win. Obviously. We might be a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, one-sided here, Chris. But um, Chris, apart from going to Anfield this week, what have you got going on? What would you like to draw people's attention to? Well, obviously, there's all the um, recaps from the weekend's games. So there's the match reports on footballstack.com from uh, from the Gladbach game, from the Schalke game, and from the Clone game. There's also the live blogs from um, the Saturday and the Sunday games. It was too cold to run a live blog on the Friday. Um, so, yeah, you can check back over those. Uh, obviously, these the previews that Manu said, um, and there'll be the live reports and the um, live match day reports from Anfield as well. And and then, yeah, we, we've already said it, but there's, there'll be the Europa League stuff as well. Yes, indeed. Plenty going on at Football Grad Live. That's the Twitter handle as well. And, uh, guys, make sure to get in touch with us um, about the podcast. We'd like to hear what your opinions are or if there's anything you'd like us to touch on yeah just always just send us a message we're open to it and we'll get back to you as soon as possible um also if you like the work that we're doing please leave um some positive uh, feedback we'd greatly appreciate that as well um i've been your host bryce dunn you can find me on twitter at bryce dunn 11 but uh, until next week where we'll have plenty to talk about with the europa league and bundesliga and once again um we'll say of peter's in Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.